scripture reading is uh, from Colossians. We'll read chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, and then we'll jump to chapter 3 and read verses 12 through 17. Um, Let me pray before we read this. Father, we are grateful for the gift of your word. And we want to be people who uh, don't just hear it, but who are transformed by it. And so we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would um, just illuminate uh, this text and that you would be with me in my weakness as I preach. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Hear the word of God. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, Do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I wonder how often you reflect on the fact that you are becoming somebody. You're becoming somebody. You know, most days I'm not thinking about the reality that how I spend this day is going to influence the person I am tomorrow. Uh, but it will. Uh, you know, we are always changing or always growing. Um, we're, we're dynamic. We're not static. Um, and, and that's true of us not just because we're Christians, but just by virtue of the fact that we're humans. I mean, just by getting out of bed in the morning or by not getting out of bed in the morning, uh, you are becoming someone. You're being formed. And another way to say this is that uh, discipleship is inevitable. It's not a question of whether we're disciples. It's a question of whose disciples we are. The question isn't, um, are we being formed? The question is, who or what is forming us? Who or what is shaping us? Like, into whose likeness are we growing? We're becoming someone. And I wonder, is that someone profoundly characterized by gratefulness? Like, is your future self more grateful than you are right now? When we began this series, I read part of uh, a poem by George Herbert. It's really a prayer. He says this, Thou who has given so much to me, give one thing more, a grateful heart, not thankful when it pleases me, as if thy blessings had spare days, but such a heart whose pulse may be thy praise. And we talked about how, you know, sometimes gratitude comes really naturally for us, like, especially, like, maybe when our, when our circumstances are really pleasing. 
but, but that George Herbert seems to be after something more than that, something deeper, something more consistent. Like he's asking for not only occasional gratefulness every now and then, but, but just a heart, like a soul, the center of who he is, pulsing with gratitude, just beating out gratitude. To put it in the language of Psalm 103, which we read for our call to worship, which we sang about, like he wants his soul and all that is within him to bless the Lord's holy name all the time. And so um, as we wrap up this series, I want to just ask the question, like, how do we, like, where do we go from here? How do we grow in gratitude? How do we grow in gratefulness? Um, how does the formation that we need actually happen? And, and this question is really just an aspect or a part of a much larger question about, like, how does Christian formation happen more generally, right? Like, how do we grow not just in gratitude, but into the likeness of Jesus? And, and this is a question that Christians have wrestled with from the very beginning, and there have been a lot of different approaches. Uh, some traditions have emphasized right thinking, right? Kind of a, an intellectual approach. Uh, the key to growth into the likeness of Jesus is to get the right information into your brain. And so in these traditions, there's a big emphasis on things like studying the Bible, learning theology. Uh, the Reformed tradition, the tr tradition that Presbyterians are a part of, um, have really emphasized the life of the mind in Christian formation. And so, and so the accent falls on knowing the right things, believing the right things. When it comes to growing in gratitude, the approach would emphasize maybe learning about gratitude, studying gratitude. It might host a series of Wednesday evening talks in which we get to hear from some experts about gratitude. Uh, it might some, suggest some good books to read on gratitude, you know, that kind of thing. And all of that is really good and really helpful in Christian growth and in, and in growth and gratitude in particular. At the same time, this intellectual approach by itself is not enough, is it? It's not enough to know the right things. And I'll show you what I mean. Uh, during my sabbatical, it came to my attention that I had fallen into some unhealthy habits of eating and drinking. Uh, I was not feeling physically healthy, not, not as healthy as I wanted to be. And so I wanted to change that. And so I made some adjustments, one of which was to drastically reduce my uh, sugar consumption. <coughs> Just been reading about how bad sugar is for you. It's like, yeah, well, I could cut that out, and that would probably help me to feel better. And, and so I started working on that, and it was going really well. And then about a month ago, one evening, Isaiah, who is actually like a wonderful little baker, he made this uh, amazing batch of chocolate chip cookies. And uh, as I was going to bed, I mean, the aroma filled our home, and... I woke up the next day, and Libby was off to work, and I took the boys to school, and then I came back to the house, to my home office, to work on a sermon. It must have been a Friday. I walked into the kitchen, and there were the cookies. And at that point, I knew and I believed the following. Number one, that those cookies contained like massive amounts of butter and sugar. I mean, I watched Isaiah make them, just like massive amounts of, of uh, butter and sugar, um, neither of which are good for my body. I knew that. I knew, second, that for that precise reason, I had made a commitment to myself not to eat cookies. 
I knew, third, that these cookies were really for Isaiah and Judah and Libby. Like, they knew that I wasn't going to be partaking of the cookies, so they weren't cookies for me. And I knew, fourth, that uh, if I were to eat those cookies, my family would be dismayed and, and disappointed, and uh, they would think less of me. And, and I knew all of that, and so I ate, like, 12 cookies. Uh, and, I, and I left, like, one for each of them. I, and this is true. This is true. My family, and, 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 and it is also true that this maybe has happened more than once. Um, but uh, knowing the right things is not enough. Uh, generally, knowing and believing truth is insufficient for our growth into the likeness of Jesus. There's, there's usually a gap between what we know to be true and how we actually live. It'd be kind of nice, I guess, if, if um, this knowledge approach were enough. I mean, you want a great marriage? Just read a book on marriage. You want to become strong? Just get a good book on exercise and, and maybe make sure it's a really heavy one that you have to carry around with you all the time. Um, but no, that's not how it works. Information by itself doesn't lead to transformation. Knowing about gratitude is not enough to give us a grateful heart. Well, there are other approaches. Other Christian traditions have emphasized a more spiritual approach to change. And so in some um, more Pentecostal and charismatic circles, the main way you tackle change is through prayer and faith, um, through surrender, by asking God to bring about the change that you want and then trusting God to do it. You want to change, you just let go and let God. That's the cliche, right? Um, and so do you want to be more patient? Well, you pray for patience. You want to become more generous? You pray for a spirit of generosity. Do you struggle with anger? You just pray that God will make you a less angry person. If you want a heart pulsing with gratitude, if you want to be transformed into um, you know, a person who is profoundly characterized by gratefulness, well then you just take that George Herbert prayer and you pray it. And you pray it and you pray it and you pray it until you're pulsing with gratitude. Now, again... I don't want you to get me wrong. Uh, like, of course, if you want to become more patient and, and more generous and more grateful, like, it's really good and actually, like, essential to pray f for that kind of change. It's, it's really good to pray for that. Um, it's just that by itself, just like with the knowledge approach, this more spiritual approach is insufficient. Um, you remember the movie The Matrix? Have you all seen that? Some of you have seen that? Okay. Well, the main character in that movie, his name is Neo. Uh, he's played by Keanu Reeves. I'm just talking about Keanu Reeves. Uh, is Keanu Reeves the best actor ever or the worst actor ever? See, there's a, like, it's hard to tell. There's a, there's a difference of opinion there. Um, anyway, in the movie, he needs to learn martial arts because he needs to be able to fight. And do you remember how he does it? Sits down in a chair, and they literally just like plug this computer into the back of his head and they just download instantly everything he needs uh, in order to be able to do what he wants to do. In a matter of seconds, he's instantly a master of like every kind of martial arts there is. There's something so attractive about the ease of that. And I, and I wonder if sometimes we treat our life with God like that. Like we want um, a kind of instantaneous, effortless, growth into the likeness of Jesus Christ. 
Like, hey God, we just want the gratitude download, so I'm going to sit down in a chair and just trust you to do it. Like, plug it into the back of my head. But again, no, uh, prayer and faith by itself, it doesn't deliver that kind of instantaneous change. So what else is there? Well, let's stick with, um, let's stick with the martial arts. You know Daniel LaRusso. Do you know Daniel LaRusso? Who's Daniel LaRusso? He's the Karate Kid. Good. Uh, and you'll remember in the Karate Kid, Daniel also needs to learn martial arts. And uh, it's not a sci-fi movie, so he doesn't, you know, jack himself into a computer. He, he finds someone who will um, disciple him, right? Like he finds Mr. Miyagi, and he seeks Mr. Miyagi out because he wants to become his apprentice. Like he seeks Mr. Miyagi out because he wants to become like Mr. Miyagi. And do you remember what Mr. Miyagi does? The first thing he does is he walks up to Daniel with a bucket of soapy water and a sponge, and he hands that to Daniel, and then he points to this long row of antique cars, and he shows Daniel how to wax on and wax off. And then after that, it's paint the fence, and then it's sand the deck, and then it's paint the house. Mr. Miyagi begins by giving Daniel a set of practices that over time, um, they work their way into Daniel's body, and they become like these ingrained habits. Over time, they become second nature. And, and the point is that growth into the likeness of Jesus generally and growth in gratitude in particular is, is so much more like the Karate Kid than it is like the Matrix, whether we're expecting some kind of knowledge download or spiritual download. Henry Nouwen writes this, you don't think your way into a new way of living, you live your way into a new way of thinking. And, and so relevant to gratitude, it's like, we will not merely think our way into gratitude, though it's really good to know about gratitude and to understand what gratitude is and to think about it. That's great. That's good. We won't merely pray our way into gratitude, though we should pray for gratitude. And that's one of God's good gifts to us. If we want to grow in gratitude, though, we need to practice it. We need to practice it. So in these sermons, we've talked about some ways that we can practice gratitude already. Stewardship, which we talked about, is a practice that both flows from gratitude, but also in turn fuels gratitude. And we talked about that a few weeks ago. And we've talked about hospitality. That's another way, um, that's another practice that flows from gratitude and it also can fuel gratitude. In the passage that we read from Colossians, the Apostle Paul is encouraging the church to embrace a way of life that includes practices that will over time make that early Christian community more like Jesus, and so they are to practice, uh, and this is just a list right out of the text, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, mutual forbearance, forgiveness, love. Um, they're to practice letting God's word richly dwell in them. Um, they're to practice singing together, psalms and, and hymns and spiritual songs. And you'll notice that with all of these activities, um, like with and within them are also opportunities to practice giving thanks. Three times in verse 7 and verse 16 and in verse 17, we see Paul's encouragement to abound in thanksgiving, to be thankful, and to give thanks. So how do we become people whose hearts pulse with gratitude? 
um, we practice giving thanks. Giving thanks is something you can do that does something to you. It forms you. It changes you. It shapes you. Now, you might wonder, shouldn't it be the other way around? Like, shouldn't, shouldn't gratitude as a kind of emotional experience come first and then issue forth in the act of thanksgiving? Uh, someone might wonder, is it even appropriate to give thanks when we aren't feeling grateful? I mean, isn't that inauthentic at best and deceptive at worst? Shouldn't thanksgiving be kind of the pinnacle of gratitude, the fulfillment of gratitude, and not the wax-on, wax-off kind of activity that transforms us into grateful people. Um, I want to say it's both and, not either or. Gratitude can lead to thanksgiving, and thanksgiving can also lead to gratitude. You tracking with me? Simple enough. All right. So, so yes, on one hand, feelings of gratitude um, absolutely should, when they can, lead to expressions of thanksgiving. Um, to experience gratitude and not to express it. That would be like preparing this amazing, wonderful feast for Thanksgiving and then never inviting anyone over to your home to share it with you. It would be like wrapping up an extraordinary gift for Christmas and then never, never giving it to anyone, just holding on to it. Um, gratitude that is never expressed, like we just kind of sense that there's something wrong about that. It's like not fitting. Part of the problem with unexpressed gratitude is that it can be such an individualistic thing. It can be all about you, um, about you and your feelings. But, but as soon as we start to give thanks, immediately we're in the realm of relationship, right? Uh, it, giving thanks gets us outside ourselves and it gets us interacting with God or with other people or both. Um, giving thanks gets us into the realm of love. And, and love, Paul says, is what it's all about. So ideally, uh, gratitude leads to thanksgiving. But at the same time, if the practice of giving thanks is one of the means God uses to give us a grateful heart, then sometimes it will be good for us to go through the motions of giving thanks even when we aren't feeling particularly grateful. Wax on, wax off. We know this is true for young children, right? Uh, we teach young children to say what? They get a gift, what do we say? Say thank you, say thank you. And then after a while, you know, we're reminding them to say thank you by saying, what do you say? What do you say? Uh, and then sometimes we like make our kids sit down and write that thank you note that they have no desire to write. And, and why are we doing all of this as parents? We're doing it not just so that our kids you know, grow up and make it in society without being hated by everyone for being ingrates. Like, that's not the only reason we teach them thankfulness. We, we teach them this because we know that it's, that we know on some level that it's actually part of their spiritual formation. Like, the, that we are wanting to help them um, be the kind of people who can uh, recognize gifts and givers and then express gratitude. It's not so different with adults. I've been reading uh, one of Robert Emmons' books, and a lot of us got to hear from Bob, Bob Emmons uh, several weeks ago. But he talks about a study that was done years ago that showed that when people 
mimic facial expressions associated with happiness, they actually begin to feel happier. And so the way they did this experiment, apparently, is they asked, uh, they asked the subjects to hold pencils in their teeth. And I, I would think that wouldn't make one happier. But it turns out that that does actually make you happy. And the reason that it does is because you're engaging the smile, the, the facial muscles that, that help you to smile. And, and so I was thinking, gosh, wouldn't it, be, wouldn't it be a great thing for us to kind of incorporate into our time together on Sundays that during, during the sermons, yeah, we hand out pencils and then during the sermons, you all just hold those in your teeth. Like that would definitely make me smile and it would probably give you a better experience of the sermon generally. Um, you'd, be, you'd be feeling really good about it. Going through the motions of happiness can trigger the emotional experience of happiness. Now that's fascinating, isn't it? Just going through the motions of happiness can make you happy. Um, and and this, the, Robert Emmons, uh, and I'm just taking his word for this because he's like the world's expert in the psychological study of gratitude. He says, it's the same with gratitude. Um, he, here's what he writes. He says, so what if the motion has to be forced? The important thing is to do it. Do it. Do it now and the feeling will come. There is, there is a great deal of psychological evidence showing that attitude change often follows a behavior change. If we stand around waiting for a feeling to move us, we may never get going. Get a person to perform a behavior and their feelings will usually fall in line. See, it's wax on, wax off. You go through these motions and the next thing you know, you're a karate champion. <laughs> See, gratitude can lead to thanksgiving and thanksgiving can also lead to gratitude. And so give thanks. Give thanks with a grateful heart or give thanks without a grateful heart and wait for the grateful heart to follow. All of us are becoming someone, like we are being formed. Uh, as we end this series, I want to leave us with this invitation to practice, not gratitude in some abstract way, but to practice thanksgiving to practice giving thanks. Um, let's practice noticing and recognizing and celebrating and thanking one another for our contributions to the body here. Let's practice praying our thanksgiving to God, singing out our thanksgiving to God. Um, early on in this deep dive, we, um, we extended an invitation to write a letter of thanksgiving to someone in your life who has had a profound impact on you, who has helped to, to make you the person that you are today. And if you haven't done that yet, like that invitation is still on the table, that would be a wonderful way for you to just practice giving thanks. You don't have to sit around just waiting for the emotion to move you. You can sit down and say, I'm going to write this letter. And then you can take your time and you can do it. And that will bless not only the person who receives it, but it will bless you too. One nice thing about practicing giving thanks is that um, there's no shortage of opportunities. No shortage of opportunities to practice thanksgiving. There's a place in 1 Corinthians where the Apostle Paul asked the early Christian community, what do you have that you did not receive? 
it's a rhetorical question, but what's the implied answer? Nothing. There's nothing. There's nothing we have that we did not receive. Henry Nowen, he shares testimony of how living among people in South America who regularly practice Thanksgiving helped him to grow in gratitude. Here's what he writes. He says, what I claimed as a right, my friends received as a gift. What was obvious to me was a joyful surprise to them. What I took for granted, they celebrated in Thanksgiving. What for me goes by unnoticed became for them a new occasion to say thanks. And slowly I learned, I learned what I must have forgotten somewhere in my busy, well-planned, very useful life. I learned that everything that is, is freely given by the God of love. All is grace, light and water, shelter and food, work and free time, children, parents and grandparents, birth and death, it is all given to us. So we're, we're never in a position where we have to sit around wondering, what do we have to be thankful for? Um, what do we have that we have not received? Not a single thing. We have endless opportunities to practice giving thanks, endless opportunities to practice saying thank you. Say it when you feel like it. Say it when you don't feel like it, but want to feel like it. Whatever you do, give thanks. Give thanks. Um, all of us are becoming someone. We're being formed. Um, there's a long philosophical tradition that has urged people to become what they will be by the, the, the wax on, wax off activity of practicing the virtues, um, which leaves a whole lot up to us. Like, who will we be? Who will we be tomorrow? Who will we be five years from now, 10 years from now, 15 years from now? Um, maybe someone good and true and beautiful, if we practice hard enough. But let's remember the gospel. The Apostle Paul says right at the beginning of Colossians 3, we didn't read this, but it's right in the middle of the two texts that we read. He says, you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And the, the gospel says, yes, you are being formed, and yes, there is work to do, the putting off and putting on, to use Paul's language in this passage. But all of that happens in the context of grace. Like, the person we will be, the person we will be, family, is Jesus Christ. Um, the invitation is to become who we already are in him. All of us are becoming someone, and that someone is already given to us as this extraordinary gift. And it's that gift that we remember when we come to this table. And, and we're reminded, again, that, that gratitude really is in keeping with like the deepest realities about who God is and who we are in the world. Um, it reminds us that we're needy, that we are not self-sufficient, that we aren't the ones who actually ever give ourselves what we really need, that it really is all gift. Um, it reminds us that while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. He died for 
he, he died for the ungrateful. He died for people like you and me who so often miss the gift and fail to give thanks to the giver. And in the face of all of that, the God we know in Jesus Christ just keeps on giving. And he keeps on welcoming and he keeps on inviting our response. So we have a lot to be grateful for. Let's give thanks and then we'll eat.